I'm Scott Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the GAF podcast. This podcast is for professionals who want to work in the advisory space. It's a series of conversations and essential frameworks to give better advice. It's the stuff they don't teach you at uni. It's where value sits. So buckle in, volume up, let's go. Welcome to the GAF podcast. My name's Scott Fitzpatrick. Very excited to have uh, Ken Petty with me today from Minter Ellison Lawyers, managing partner of the Gold Coast Practice. Ken, welcome, buddy. Thanks, Scott. It's great to be here. Yeah, we've got a lot to discuss. Uh, I think a really good start point is let's have a look at your background and then how do you end up being a managing partner of a law firm? How does that happen? Yeah, look, it's been a, it's been an absolute journey, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I come from a, a long line of uh, fruit growers in Victoria, and somehow I've ended up being a managing partner of a law firm. So, it's a big jump. <laughs> it is a massive jump. I'm uh, first person to finish year twelve in my family, first person to have a law de- to have a degree. Um, so it all it all started with. I initially went to university and did accounting, uh, then did a bit of politics and then had an opportunity to go and do law, which was a bit of a secret ambition. Ultimately did that law degree, got a job, joined a great firm um, on the Gold Coast. I've only been, sorry, I've been with two firms, but I've spent over 25 years with Interellison on the Gold Coast and uh, a great partnership, great group of people and Probably the journey I took was that um, I've always had this belief around continuous improvement and um, I've obviously always had aspiration. So I, whilst I was a, a lawyer in the law firm and I worked my way through the firm and to become a partner and a practice group leader, I also involved, heavily involved myself with activities outside the law practice to get a better perspective on the world and how things really operate. And it was really from that perspective that brought about an aspiration for leadership and management. So when the opportunity arose, we had a very uh, dominant managing partner here who had been in the role for um, over 30 years and he made the decision to step down. I put my hand up amongst others and I was duly elected in. But... And it's been a real journey since. So that's how I got there. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots to unpack there. Like, uh, duly elected. How does that work? So the other six or seven partners go, who do we think is going to be best? Or is there a bit of elbowing from other partners going, I wouldn't mind that role either? Or how do we make a decision to make it an internal uh, selection versus external? Yeah, look, it's a good question. Um, as you know, uh, professional service firms are, have got lots of egos and the managing partner role is a pretty prized role. And so at the time I was appointed, there was three candidates and ultimately through a process uh, it came down to me and uh, the partners were supportive of me being elected into that role. And that was a fairly, despite the egos, um, that was a fairly... Bloodless process. A bloodless concern. It was, no, it was, it was part of a strategic planning phase that we were undertaking with an external consultant. And we essentially went through that process and 
and made the decision around who would be taking on that role in the new year. And so, yeah, it was, it was, uh, a unanimous decision and it was, it was, uh, bloodless. It was, it was, it was looking, looking back on that, would, would you do it again? Yeah, another great question. I think I would because a big reason why I wanted to do it was because at that time, um, I felt I'd achieved enough in what I was doing and I needed a new challenge. And so, um, in that respect, it was absolutely satisfying and giving me a new challenge and really pushing my capabilities, really testing my ability to, uh, uh undertake the role, learn in the role and just execute in a manner that was going to be effective. Cause that's a really interesting, wasn't it? You let go of the tools from being a day to day operator, giving legal advice to now you're managing. The firm. Yeah. It's a different skill set when you when you look back on that, and you may have had some of those skills, but you may have had to surround yourself with good people or develop new skills very quickly. Yeah, look, it's it's true. Um, but I, I took a bit of a little bit of a different route to most people. I didn't actually join them until I was twenty eight, and in that period up to twenty eight, I had various management roles in, in small business and. Uh, other organisations. So I'd had a bit of a taste for it. I'd also led a team within the organisation. So I'd built up skills in that fashion. But look, the honest truth of it is that, uh, everyone has their own, uh, version or their own, uh, view on what the role involves. And, um, I was certainly one of those people. And it was clear to me after six months that my, Perception of what the role involved was completely different to what it actually did involve. Um, <laughs> and, and that wasn't a bad thing. Um, it just means that, and I think that's, this is kind of typical of professional services that when you're leading service orientated teams, um, it gives you a certain le- uh, level of skill. And then when you actually start undertaking management execution of the overall business. It's quite a different skill and you need to do different things. And so uh, it took me a while to get my head around that. Absolutely. And for you, in the, you know, you, I, I look at you and I go, you're not your atypical managing director. You know, you're well-read. You've had a lot of work in leadership and, you know, you have an interest or a curiosity around leadership. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I, I Look, I've always done things outside the firm. Um, you know, whether it was in my very early days, I was a teacher at TAFE, which I used to do at night. You know, I'd get involved in industry bodies, you know, whether it be the Property Council, Institute of Company Directors, Chamber of Commerce, whatever it was. And usually that was aligned to either an aspiration in relation to learning or an aspiration in relation to business development. So usually they were aligned. And um, so I'm just one of those people that I'm not, I've never been satisfied with just sort of sitting in your bubble, thinking that the whole world exists in that bubble. I like yeah. to go outside the bubble as much as possible. And so that gives you, and I'm quite a curious person, so um, I am always trying to learn from others. Uh, and I've been lucky along the way to have some great 
mentors and people who've taken an interest in me and supported me along the way. And everyone needs those. Yeah, that's that's interesting too. Some some people may look at you and go, "Well, you don't need any support." Uh, but it's interesting that you are you're open to coaching and mentoring and having other, you know, people to support you. Oh, I think you know you you're only coming from a great pool of naivety if you think that you know everything about everything. You know, the great first the first skill in leadership is. You know, surrounding your people with all the skill gaps that you've got. So that's the first rule of leadership, isn't it? So um, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I would say that my style of leadership is is pretty straightforward, pretty. Uh, it's a very honest, transparent, vulnerable kind of leadership, which I think works in this era. And so. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about the successes, mm. but I'm also very happy to talk about all the failures and what was learned from that. Great. So that's sort of more of a servant leadership, is that what you call it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, duty to others. So what, what was the biggest learning? Or what was the biggest mistake you made? Let's, get, let's start with that one. <laughs> Don't name names, but let's no. look back. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Yeah, look, you make you, there's so many mistakes, it's not funny. I think the, the the big mistake that often new leaders have in a, in a management where they've got to bring a lot of people along with them is how much time and energy that takes to bring people along with you. And so, you know, the merits of a good idea may not necessarily get up uh, just because it's a good idea. You really have to bring people along in the journey and that often involves an investment of time and an investment in relationships um, and an investment in seeking other people's views. So, it, you know, that would probably be the, my biggest, in the early days, that was probably the, the biggest learning lesson was that. So the lesson people, was you were trying to implement new ideas too quickly without bringing everybody on the journey. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. And I've been... Um, I think I'm very good at developing ideas and projects and things that will benefit the business, but it's always the challenge of bringing people along on the journey. That's the, that's the hardest part. And, you know, as I said, that... that you underestimated the time. Correct, yeah, correct. And, you know, that even though I um, did become managing partner, I still have continued to run a practice group as well. So actually had a couple of hats rather than yep. just one. Good. And now, you know, looking, you, you know, you're looking for succession for yourself now in that role. Yes. So that's an interesting perspective or, you know, set of sunglasses to look back or look to the future and go, right, who do I, what are the attributes of the successful candidate for the next leg of the journey for the firm? Yeah, look, it's, it's a good question. In actual fact, when we, when I first broached uh, the subject with the partners about uh, me stepping down, it gave us an opportunity to really th- rethink our governance model. And as a res- as a in response to that, we've actually uh, redesigned, or we think we've redesigned. We're, we're not quite at the point of implementing yet, but we uh, are rethinking how we will actually manage the firm. So we're a, a firm of 
80 odd people and we are now going to move to a model where we're going to appoint a non-legal executive to run the firm and partners will sit on, elected partners will sit on the partnership board and act like a board of directors effectively. We'll have an executive that runs the business and we'll have sub-leaders that have got specialised skills. But the role of the managing partner will be quite different because mm. if there, even if they're, well, I'm not even sure that there will be a managing partner, there might be for bespoke um, delegations. But uh, we're going to move to a corporate model effectively. And that yeah, is, that's a big change in direction. Yeah, and that's that's really, I think for our size, that's that's the right model. Having a having a board for the more the more material decisions, and that board will just delegate down, um, yep. rather than having a managing partner. Well, in our structure, the managing partner is empowered to do just about everything, and I think we'll probably drop that whole model. That's great. So that's opened up a whole Pandora's box of questions for me to no, go. Okay. Did you get uh, external consultants to come and advise on that? Was that a deliberate thing from yourself or was it a consensus of the group to move to that model? And I say that within a context of for the next leg of the journey, looking at where your legal business was over the last five years yes. and what you saw the future. There's a um, statement of question in there, by the way. Yeah, at the moment it's the it's the brainchild of KP, um, and I'm writing the papers and rewriting the partnership to, to give everyone a vision as to how it looks. People are happy with the concept, but at this stage we're not quite ready to. The, de- the devil is always in the detail, but we will um, in due course get some external consultants involved in that as well. Because there's a mindset shift, isn't it? And if you're an existing partner who may or may not be in that leadership or that that advisory group, yes, yeah, they might not feel they're getting their their well. There could be that could be seen to be an attack on their status. Yeah, look, and that's a real challenging thing because we know that our partners in law firms or any professional services have got there via big aspirations and big egos. And I think, look, our the egos are, in our firm are, are pretty, they're, they're well controlled. We don't, it's not a, it's not a culture that we promote. Yeah. Our culture, um, in, in fact, uh, promotes a, a, a flat level playing field for everyone and egos are not really um, entertained. But that being said, it's, the, the new model is also about preparing the firm for the future. Yes. So the, what we do know is that the workplace is substantially changing and it has already substantially changed as a result of COVID. Um, but we know that we need to think differently around how someone becomes a, a partner or an owner in the business and we need to have a lot, whole lot more flexibility around that other than a traditional model of people um, being rewarded with equity based on based on a high level of performance or um, taking a, a, a fixed draw arrangement 
um, based on their contribution. So we've got to think more flexibly. It's got to be fairer to every, it's got to be fair to all genders. And so, that's the challenge. I love this, Ken. It's a fascinating conversation. And I can see you're a deep thinker around this. And the, the new managing director, whatever we're going to call them, comes yeah. in. Uh, are they responsible in your mind to review an age strategy or just to execute strategy? Is there, is there an expectation there that the person you're looking for is going to help develop the new strategy or an implement? Or is it really an implementation role? Oh, I think we're looking for, we, we, yeah, the ink is only, it's still wet, but we have yeah. found someone for that role. And, uh, we are expecting that it's more than just implementation. We, we are expecting someone to fulfill that strategic no, that's great. Yeah. role. And, yes. and so it is, uh, facilitating the journey, um, and the direction, uh, as well as, implementation yes an eclectic skill set mm, interesting and, I, and i'm really interesting in that on your views that the model is changing or you feel the model is changing from the traditional partnership model yeah well, where, the look, highest, where the highest earner becomes a partner well, look i don't think it's it, the, the traditional model of people building a financial practice working their way up through the firm Doing, usually doing incredibly long hours, usually requiring a very supportive partner along the way. I think that model will always exist, but there needs to be other pathways as well because not everyone wants to flog themselves in that same way and not everyone um, is... The career is now an important component, but people also have priorities around their own health their own, their family, um, and their leisure. So you've got to be accommodating uh, of those things if you're going to be an attractive uh, proposition for, for employees and owners going forward. Once again, that's great because it's this, we need to attract the best labour yeah. and the best talent and maybe our old ways of thinking pre-COVID um, we put dents in that model. We need to rethink how we attract, retain. And I know this, you know, having worked with you with, with clients, I know this is at the forefront of your thinking. How do we attract, uh, for our business clients, how do we keep, maintain and attract the best clients? But also in your law, your law firm. Yeah. I, look, and I speak to a lot of other leaders in similar positions and, and obviously a great challenge for the nation at the moment really is, is, is workforce shortages and professional services is no different. Um, so you can't, if you can't attract the people, you don't have the capacity within the business to even do the aspirational numbers that you might have. So you've got to have very clear strategies of attracting and growing people through the organisation. And, and Ken, having known you for a while now, I've got my views. What, what do you think your best skill sets are? Oh, look, because I've done so many things, um, you know, I've been a lawyer, I've been a manager, I've been a thought leader, uh, I've been an owner, you know, I've learned lots of things along the, along the way. And so, and I've developed many legal practices um, and I've held lots of different roles outside of a law firm. 
I think my best skills now are actually around project management and really getting an understanding of clients' journey and where they want to go and really helping them to get to those outcomes. That's probably my best skills. Yes, I've got lots of skills in, I've got in terms of finite um, legal skills, I've got great skills in governance and risk management, in buying and selling businesses, in, in um, assisting organisations grow, um, setting up governance structures, uh, all of those things. I've got lots of experience of doing that. But at the end of the day, the thing that I uh, am probably best at and like doing most is actually just sitting alongside the client, really getting a deep understanding of where they want to take their family, themselves, their organisation, and then planning that out and, and supporting them in that journey to get there. That's great. And I know we're very aligned with a lot of our thinking on that, but this whole succession you know, it's such a big word, <laughs> the succession, the business, succession for the family. Uh, it's just this big wave, it seems to be, moving through the population. Well, maybe it's just the people we're hanging out with, but that seems to be, it's on everyone's mind at the moment. Yeah, look, it's, I, it might be a reflection of our age, but the, I think it's more, got more to do with the fact that as you do get older, you do, have a different lens on life and uh, it takes a while to build up that experience and, and see different perspectives to really understand the possibilities. So um, I just, I think that's where we're at. You know, about five years ago, I really invested a lot of time in building, never come up with the right name, but a, a private wealth practice um, and it's, I've got a really successful team um, at the firm doing that. And, you know, we, at that time, I really, we called the team private capital. And the reason why we called it that was because we helped people grow and then we helped people realise the value in their, in all their hard work, usually the sale of a business. And then we helped people on that piece where They've had the life, the, the event, life-changing event, and and then ultimately the the last step where you uh, you know you pass away and you want to leave a legacy uh, for an institution, your family, whoever it might be, and so really just sort of following the capital has been now or been my, a personal philosophy that I've tried to take in the last five years. Yeah, I like the way you look at that, the, the, the journey of the capital. Well, I mean, I couldn't, what's the, what's the common thread? Uh, yeah. the common thread, but because it recycles back very often those people that do have a, uh, an event which changes their life financially, they often want to give back. You know, they often want to set up charities and do philanthropic work. But the other thing that they want to do is they often want to help like-minded people. They often want to provide a bit of seed capital to an early stage business because, you know, maybe someone did that for them. Um, yeah. And also there's often a good um, investment, a good investment outcome in those environments as well. But philosophically, it's because people want to give back and it's an opportunity to do that. Yeah, it sounds like that's your, you know, if I had to 
narrow down the client that you'd love to work with all day, every day. It's that client with that mindset. Oh, 100%. And just working on all those things that they want to achieve, we know it's a real challenge. You you know, often working with clients who've worked very, very hard at building a business. Um, they've been uh, got a nice home, big cars, uh, kids are all in private schools and all those sorts of things. And that, but they're uh, wonderful achievements. And, but they may not have family members who want to take on that challenge or um, they may be just tired and exhausted and actually want to enjoy life a little bit more. Um, or they might have, you know, a number of aspirations around um, going into something different. Yeah. So, you, you know, it's a matter of sort of navigating with clients, you know, where their heads are, where they'd like to be. And then agreeing on those things and then helping and supporting them to get there. And, and, you know, that leads me to the next, that, that's a world away from the commoditization of legal services that's yes. occurring or, you know, the whole, the whole idea of this podcast is talking about the backdrop of commoditization across accounting legal wealth. Uh, but those styles of clients, you would hopefully agree are a world away from. Commoditization and online documents and etc. Oh, it, it, that's right. And I, I suppose it, what's happening with commoditization, with automation, and with artificial intelligence is that really the initial wave is being lost. Is just all the easy stuff, all the process-driven stuff. You know, the AI is about predicting outcomes, so it might be around predicting uh, a damages outcome in a in a personal injuries case or something like that. Um, but, I mean, the reality is uh, there is a massive wave of t- technology being offered to the marketplace. And it's really where you want to put yourself in the line. Are you going to be, you know, the guy right at the end um, Who's affecting change right at the very end and, and, and not really wondering what happened? Or are you going to be the person leading the pack with the change? Or are you just going to move with the middle? And if you know, if you move with the middle, you're more than likely not going to be materially affected by those changes. Um, it's the, when I first started, we were using fax machines. And, um, I'm off to explain to a few people what a fax machine is, but yeah. <laughs> fax machines, uh, manual time cost sheets, you know, dictation letter, machines. Letter writing. That's right. It was, it was, everything went in the mail. And, you know, it took ages for things to happen in. Uh, at that point, yeah. Roni had only just started to be allowed to advertise. They weren't allowed to advertise. Um, in the 70s uh, in Queensland and they were sort of just opening up the, uh, the market. And uh, in Queensland, all the, all the law firms used to be underwritten by a conveyancing scale that was that was crazy. You know, they had set mm. scale pricing for conveyancing yes. and you, you came in and they just paid according to the scale. Now, that's materially different to what they can pay now. Now, they're all just changes. 
So, and I've, you know, I've, I've developed property leasing practices and franchising practices and IP practices and all of those things involve stream work. And stream work is obviously the low fruit for the disruptors. Um, that's, 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 that's a very, very easy segment of the market to attack because you write out the algorithms which just completely uh, change your view on how a process might be undertaken. Um, so that's that's the low fruit. But the other thing that, you know, I'm preaching to the converted, but the reality is the pyramid of the trusted advisor hasn't changed. You know, if everyone um, goes back to that pyramid of trusted advisor and ultimately you want to be at the top of it, the point, uh, being involved in the highest level of decision making uh, within with your clients, and so um, technology is affecting all the the lower level stuff. I think that pyramid's got four or five levels, but uh, level five or level four, whatever it might be, um, they're low skill. You know the stuff that paralegals and graduates and first year lawyers are doing and so that stuff is is going to be eaten up by tech and, yes. and there's no question about that and that's why our law schools and that's why our education system need to be really arming people around interpersonal skills and curiosity um, and uh, multidisciplinary skills uh, because it's just not going to be that old format of, you know, I can do this one thing I might not even have to talk to clients. I think those days have all gone. Mm, so that's, which is a, a beautiful segue <laughs> into a shameless plug for the uh, SAN network, the Significant Advice Network, which is the course I've just run and you've just completed. Yeah, it's great. Um, look, that, that's a, a network of like-minded advisors and, and I've been involved now for, I think we've been talking, Scott, for at least, a, it would be at least a year now. And yeah, look, it's a, it's a great group of people across Australia. Um, I'm guessing you'll probably get some people overseas over time with very like-minded thinking, um, uh, some in the financial planning, some in, law, in the legal, some in the accounting, all bringing different skills. And that's a really important part of this equation. Um, you know, I really love the project management component, but I can't do everything. I'm not offering everything and I can't do everything. It's always about pulling in the right people with the right skills to get the outcome that you're seeking. So it's a wonderful network to be a part of because there's a real diversity of skills and capability that you can just draw in as required. Yeah, and what we're trying to teach you there is, which you're already very well aware of, is some skills to swim outside your existing swim lane. Yes. Which, which is, which is, you know, which is Really happy with how that's that's turning out. So that sort of leads me to your next body of work, though, Ken. 
what's the next few years look like for you? And where you know, is it working with more of these clients? Is it sitting on the family board? What's it look like for you? Do you think or a combination? Yeah, look, it's a good question. I, I, I'm looking for uh, to build uh, a practice, for want of a better word, um, around uh, family offices, around um, uh, sitting alongside uh, families that have been successful in business, but maybe do have some long-term plans which are very different to what they're currently doing. Um, I, I'd like to. I've got good skills in governance, and I've got good skills in risk management, and I've got good skills in preparing businesses for sale. Um, but the project management side is the overarching capability. So my plans for the next five years are around um, working with families who are in that position. So come out of a leadership role. I am, have always run practice, but in terms of my personal delivery, I'll be very focused on working with um, uh, successful families who need a helping hand at preparing their business, preparing their families, preparing themselves for their aspirations in a year, three years, five years, ten years. Um, drawing on all those skills I've got across all various disciplines. Mm. That's music to my ears, Ken, as you know. <laughs> but and if you know, I'm going to wind this up in a sec. But if you if you're a young lawyer coming in um, to the profession today, or maybe even a lawyer, you know, mid career, you know, what would it? If I look back on the young Ken Petty, what would be the advice the old Ken Petty, old's the wrong word, um, experienced would look back and say? Here's a few things that have held me in good stead in my professional career. Here's a few habits, maybe. Look, there's 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 day to day business habits, and um, you know you can read Stephen Covey's book around around having effective habits. Um, I think a young person coming in, I came into the profession with no, not knowing anyone other than a family lawyer, not really having any understanding of what a lawyer really did. And I see that a lot now. You know, there's a generation that all go to university now, but that doesn't mean that their parents did. So you come in not really knowing what you know. And so at least that was my experience. There are some out there that are generational lawyers and generational accountants or generational family planners. But I think the key is to... Um, a, have a high level of curiosity. Keep your ego at the door. Ego has no place whatsoever. Uh, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. That's absolutely part of being human. Um, treat others with great humility. If you, you the, the one thing you learn as you get older and as you get more experienced and the higher the person you deal with in leadership will know, will know that they all have great people skills. They're, they're, they're humble and they're not, it's not about egos. Um, and they don't claim to know everything. So I think don't be afraid of mistakes. Just jump in and get involved in everything and don't be afraid of failing. 
Fantastic. That's great, mate. I, I, I love some of that. And then lastly, your rock. Now, you know, you know what I'm going to ask you. If you had to put the one word on the rock for the year, the lens to make decisions of for you, what would that be? Look, I think it's um, – I've always been a curious person and I'd like to be – as a personal habit, I'd, I'd like to be more curious. I think that I've spent – that what I have done for the last eight years has been exceptionally busy and have a lot of balls in the air at one time. I'm hoping with this new role that I'm pursuing um, that – I can actually dedicate more time, more quality time across the board with my family and clients. That will involve becoming a bit more curious because um, I don't want to be interesting. I want to be interested. And I think I've got, you know, my wife often complains that, <laughs> you know, I, I talk too much or I'm, you know, engaged in the conversation for too long. And that's because I really, I love getting to know people, really understanding them, and really understanding what they're about. And once, um, once I like someone, I, I really like to help and support support them. So the curiosity is linked to this overarching desire to have a positive impact on people. You know, that's that's very much part of my own value proposition. That. You know, you positively influence people around you, whether it's your partner, whether it's your, your children, whether it's your leadership group, whether it's just anyone that you come across in life. You try and, you know, if you can make someone's day better, absolutely do what you can to make that happen. Well, Ken, I can tell you that anyone who meets you walks away with that feeling. <laughs> I talk too much. No, um, that feeling that. You are interesting. Sorry, you are interested in them and you do take the time. And, you know, so I want to finish on that because that's a really great note to finish on. But, but I also want to congratulate you on on the journey so far. Thank you. That, you know, the, the, the amount of respect that commands not the word that you've earned uh, of, of the people in your organization and external to that, the external community is um, quite amazing when I, Tell people, oh, I've got this mate up the road called Ken Petty, and they go, oh, what a magnificent man. And I don't say that to embarrass you. I just say that to acknowledge you. It's very nice. So thanks for sharing this with us, and I'd love to have you back on as we look at the next part of the journey for you. Anytime. It's been some gold. Thank you very much, mate. My pleasure. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for listening to the GAF podcast. We've now developed the Essentials Package for Advisors. It's the Collaterals video and training for you to work in this high net wealth space. Also, we're running a course for those who want to work with significant families and significant individuals. For more information, go to thegaff.com.au.